Hi, welcome to the mental wellness journey. Discover the underlying causes of your physical and emotional symptoms and finally heal. I'm very excited today to have Dr. Elena Valenueva. Um, she is a functional holistic medicine expert and founder of Modern Holistic Health, a multi-clinician practice that focus on a, focuses on addressing the root causes of physiological illnesses and mental health imbalances. Dr. V is known for her expertise in resolving mental health disorders and neurodegenerative disease. Her brain health restoration system uses a genetically tailored and data-driven approach to the underlying root causes of illness and disease, rather than just covering symptoms. Dr. V and her team work to restore chronic health conditions, including brain chemistry imbalances, male and female hormones, autoimmune disorders, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, and others. So you're like perfect for this. And I um, want to get started. So tell me how you got started in health and medicine, and then how did you veer over into mental health? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dr. Goldman. Um, it's so good to be here and to get to share um, you know, these, these evidence-based approaches that are now available for people. And uh, my story is an interesting one. It's been kind of a crazy ride. I, um, I'm almost 50 now. And several years ago, I, uh, I started exhibiting just very common symptoms. A lot of symptoms that most Americans have, right? Just some constipation and like some weird acne was popping up and my hair was dry and you know, like forgetting little things like where I left my keys and maybe what I ate yesterday or, you know, maybe what I said to my staff the day before. And I didn't pay much attention because I was just going at a million miles an hour. I had three sports medicine clinics and I was traveling around the world working with Olympic athletes and going to Paralympic qualifying events. And um, and I was busy being a single mom, uh, very successful. I worked very, very hard, you know, to, to get to the point that I was at, but I was also burning the candle at both ends. And, um, eventually it caught up to me. And, um, uh, it was when I had two emotional traumas, uh, two, you know, big emotional events that happened back to back mm -hmm. that the seesaw in my health, both physical and mental really started to teeter for me. And uh, that was with the death of my father by suicide. And then uh, just a few months later, my, my, uh, my other father, so I had, you know, father and stepfather. Supposed to <laughs> American family. Uh, yeah. Yeah. American family. Just a few months later, it, it, you know, it wasn't long after that, that my other father passed away from us, from a, his second or third stroke. And my health deteriorated so badly that um, I, I thought I had had a stroke and the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. So I had, it started out with waking up one morning with severe vertigo and I couldn't tell which way was up. I literally couldn't pick my head up off the pillow because it was so bad. I could not tell which way was up. And that's the scariest thing that I've ever experienced. It's one thing to have vertigo and the room is spinning, but it's another thing not to tell. It was like I was down in a deep ocean and couldn't tell which way was up. Pretty scary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, I had brain scans done. Nobody could figure it out. And then that started spiraling into a uh, loss of my memory, both short and long term. Couldn't remember my son's name. Um, oh. 
he was in high school at this time. Um, I, I couldn't speak, so I couldn't work. I, my staff had to start doing things. I couldn't verbalize what I was thinking in my head. And it was hard to even think to begin with. Like I couldn't find the files in my head. And, um, and, and I knew enough to know like, oh my God, what's happening to me. But I was just like, the, nothing was firing. And, um, and, and then I, I also, on top of that, started having um, major issues with uh, my gut got a lot worse. I started having um, issues with my hormones. So I ended up having um, um, dysmenorrhea or you know period bleeding for an entire year without stopping. And the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me when that area either. So their, their, their solution was to cut out my uterus and do a hysterectomy at 35 years old. Um, and, um, and then in severe anxiety and depression, and the doctors were all scratching their heads. They literally had no idea what was going on with me. They were recommending Prozac and Xanax and antivirals and anti, you know, uh, um, you know, different types of uh, antibacterials like antibiotics. Um, and uh, they were scratching their heads and sending me home. I, I literally felt like I was broken because if they couldn't help me and I was going to the top specialist that I could find, if they couldn't help me, then I must be broken. And that um, eventually led me to losing all my practices. And, uh, and then I lost my home and I became homeless and I wouldn't tell anybody what happened to me. So by this time, you know, my son saw what was happening for about two years and then went off to college and he went off to Alaska. So he was all the way across the country. I was down in Texas and he didn't know what was happening. No one in the community knew what was happening. There's a terrible stigma around mental health. And, that's and I shared it with one person. Yeah, I shared it with one person. Yeah. And uh, they, they kind of looked at me like, whoa, I don't know if I want to be around you, you know? And so I was so embarrassed. I didn't share it with anybody. And I didn't even share it with my mother because she was traumatized from what had happened to dad. I just was so ashamed of myself. I thought, God, I must've done something to deserve this. You know, when you start getting depressed, you start right. thinking, you know, ill thoughts of yourself. And exactly. And, and that, uh, that eventually led me to trying to commit suicide twice. And um, and they were failed attempts and, you. you know, God or the universe, you know, my, the creator, whatever it is uh -huh. that you believe in and, and, you know, um, brought, ended up bringing to light. It started bringing me answers and it started to give me hope. And that's a whole nother story, how all of that happened, but it was pretty incredible. I'm telling you, it wasn't just a by accident that it happened. And, um, over the course of five years, yeah. Over the course of five years, I was able to find that I had not just one underlying cause of my issues. There were like five, six, seven different underlying causes from genetics to leaky gut to, you know, mold infections, bacterial infections, parasites, um, genetics. There were all, you know, emotional traumas. There was a combination, a cumulative effect mm -hmm. of all these different things that happened. And through trial and error, I was able to figure out what the causes were and in what order I needed to fix them. And you know, fast forward to the last five years now, um, I have been helping people all around the world, uh, you know, with, with mental health disorders, neurodegenerative disease. I've become, you know, an expert in this field and I'm very, very passionate because of my story. Yeah. People don't have to suffer like that. And people need to know that there are evidence-based and data-driven approaches to to reversing these mental health issues so that's my story <laughs>
that's an awesome story. I'm sorry you had to go through that, obviously, but it is unfortunately a common story with how bad people feel and how the conventional medical model really fails so many people. And it's with the worst in psychiatry because their answer is medication or psychotherapy. And, um, and then it's the stigma and you isolate and I think it's wonderful that you've been able to work yourself. And it sounds like you healed yourself. You probably took in some experts at times, but because of your background, you found the answers. That's pretty much what happened. There were a couple of experts that I pulled in to help me with a couple of things. And I was able to put the rest of the pieces of the puzzle together on my own. So when people come to you, what kinds of things do they come with? And what was their previous experience? Unfortunately, you experienced the worst of the medical system, and I suspect other people have as well. So how are you different than if you went to a traditionally trained psychiatrist or psychologist? That's a really good question. You know, Laurie, by the time that people come see us, they are at the end of their rope. They are losing hope and they have tried everything else. They've been on medications typically for, you know, five, 10, 15 years. Um, they're on anywhere from one psych med to up to five psych meds, which to me is just baffling. And they are, they are struggling and they're just desperate looking for answers. And the reason why they come to, to us is because we are applying data-driven or evidence-based approaches to finding what the underlying root cause is instead of just trying to cover up the symptom. The symptom is your body's alarm system telling you that something is wrong. We have not been taught to pay attention to these alarm systems. We think it's a part of aging. You know, oh, constipation is just a part of aging. I'm in my 30s. My mom had it, you know, like, oh, constipation, you know, or feeling a little tired or forgetting things, having fatigue or a little bit of sleep issues. You know, we come to think that like, oh, well, you know, that's normal. Well, it's not normal. It's common. And what sets us apart is that, you know, we, we utilize testing, many different types of testing and labs that are looking at why the body is exhibiting these symptoms. We don't care about doing a test so that we can come up with a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. We are going deeper under the hood and we are looking for, well, what's causing the symptoms in the first place? And, and that's what sets us apart. You know, utilizing pharmaceuticals definitely has its place and it saves lives every single day. But in most cases, pharmaceuticals are not designed for long-term use. I mean, really, if you look in the PDR reference book that the doctors use, you know, to look up the medications, it says in there that medications are not designed for long-term use. So, you know, what are they designed for? They're a wonderful crutch while the leg is healing, right? It's a wonderful crutch so that it'll buy you time so that you can then look further and figure out what's causing the problem. And then once you start addressing that, at some point, you don't need the crutches anymore. So what kind, so depression is straightforward in the sense that if we're talking about depression, but how does forgetfulness in your constipation, 
um, and if you had other physical causes, how do those relate to the depression? Like that, I don't know if everybody, if that is clear to everybody, even though in the DSM it says, you know, um, you know, memory problems and um, constipation, but I don't think people really understand why that is. That's a great question. Well, you know, whether a person is exhibiting symptoms of depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, bipolar, um, massive anxiety attacks, um, which is so Parkinson, common, the anxiety is so prevalent. It is. It's so prevalent. And we're seeing, we are seeing a stark and alarming increase, not in just all of the neurological diseases and conditions out there, but we're seeing stark and alarming increases in every single organ system disease out there. The rates of illness are skyrocketing and it doesn't matter what the, um, what the symptom is, whether it's depression, schizophrenia, uh, Parkinson's, dementia, the, the, the root causes are typically the same things. And we're going to talk about that and then we'll, we'll tie that into the gut. But it's where the weak link is that determines how you're going to manifest your your sign, your symptom, your alarm, which alarm is going to go off. That's where the weak link is. And, and we can look back to seeing like, you know, if we're looking, well, where's the weak link? We can typically go back to genetics and we can see that. But gut issues are one of the underlying causes of mental health disorders and neurodegenerative disease. And the reason why um, gut issues are is because the gut is directly tied to brain function. Most of your dopamine and serotonin are made in your gut. They're not made in your brain. And all of the other um, ingredients, so all the other nutrients, amino acids, fatty acids, um, and, uh, and all of the carriers of these chemical reactions, like um, um, minerals and vitamins, for example, all of those have to be broken down and assimilated and then they need and 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 now all that happens in the gut and a lot of these things happen because the gut is has a very very particular a, a very uh, unique ecosystem mm -hmm. and we have bacteria that live on and in our body and a lot of them that live in our gut and those bacteria help us to assimilate and utilize these nutrients they help us to make our serotonin they help us to make our dopamine um, if we don't have, uh, they help us make our GABA. If we don't have the right ecosystem in there, we can't function properly. And not only does it affect our, our neurological function, it affects our immune function as well. And it affects our hormones as well. And recently there has, uh, there have been, um, or there has been evidence of the direct tie via the vagus nerve going from the gut to the brain and doctors are now uh, discussing how infections, because we wonder how do infections cross the blood brain barrier? They're doing it via the vagus nerve. They're traveling up the vagus nerve from the, from the gut up into the brain. The other way that infections can cross the blood brain barrier is because we end up with what's called leaky brain. 
So when you have gut dysfunction, we call that leaky gut because the barrier inside the gut that only selectively allows things out to get into the bloodstream. Right, because that's a now becomes mechanism. Exactly, and now the door is open and it's like a flood. Everything's coming out of there. You've got infections like viruses, parasites, bacteria. You have food particles that are coming out before they've been broken down and assimilated and they're ready to be transported out. And the body, the body's alarm systems, the antibodies start going off like big alarms because they're detecting that we have, um, you know, invaders in the body. And that sets off a whole cascade that eventually leads to leaky brain. Um, minor head traumas, like even playing soccer, like hitting the, hitting the soccer ball with your head. Repetitive type head injuries, whether they're big or small, also cause a break in the blood-brain barrier. And so, um, so there's a huge tie between gut health and brain health. And whether someone manifests it just as anxiety or depression or bipolar or worse, it just depends on that weak link. Tell me what you mean by weak link. So we want to go back and look at the genetics and we want to look at, you know, how, um, how the genes are driving the different chemical reactions in our body that regulate our immune response, our inflammatory response, the production and breakdown of our brain chemistry and our detoxification abilities, whether it's detox from a cellular aspect or detox from, you know, like a liver aspect. And so if we have compromises in those genes, mm -hmm. we call those SNPs or variants, or sometimes we call them mutations. It's all the same thing. Right. When you have them, it doesn't mean that if you're born with that, it doesn't mean that that gene is automatically malexpressing or not working from the time of birth. But if you have a lot of stressors in your, on your body, like chemical toxins, like glyphosate, for example, or mycotoxins like aspergillus mold or gliotoxin, which we find all the time in people, or you have, you, you know, um, chronic. I want to define some of the words. I'm very familiar, obviously, with glyphosate and uh, mycotoxins, but can you translate that so people that might not be familiar with it can uh, understand what you're saying? Sure, that's a great question. Um, so, <laughs> right. say, yeah. yeah, now glyphosate is just one of the uh, very common chemicals that is found in pesticides. And pesticides um, have contaminated our water, our air, and they're in every food that you pretty much eat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, eating organic, they've even found traces of it in, in organic foods. And, and it's not because it's purposely in there, but it's just because it's, it's everywhere in the environment. It's in the soil, it's everywhere. And, um, and it, it causes major, major problems. We, we actually discussed that in, um, in episode one of my five-part series in Redefining Mental Health. We went into all the science behind these chemical toxins like glyphosate, okay. which is pesticide or herbicide-based. Okay. Mycotoxins are mold, and mold. Um, There's, you know, not all molds are neurotoxic or toxic to the body, but some are. And ochratoxin is an example of one. So you have ochratoxin A. Gliotoxin is another one that directly affects brain chemistry and the, the entire brain in and of itself. And um, these these molds are not always evident. People can have massive exposure and not even know it because. You know, it's not on the wall for you to be able to see. It can be behind a wall or under the floor and you're not even noticing it or it can be up in your vents. Yeah. 
And so the weak link. I, <laughs> um, oh, and so the weak link is, is, you know, we, we want to look for variants in all of the specific genes that are driving our systemic engines in our body. In other words, the genes that are driving all of the biological chemistry, all the biology in our body. Mm -hmm. And we want to see if we have SNPs or mutations or variants in those genes. And like I said a minute ago, you can be born with a mutation. It doesn't mean that the gene is malexpressing. It can be just humming along and working just fine until mm -hmm. you start getting you know, cumulative exposures of these toxins, environmental toxins, mold toxins, I know that we call mycotoxins, bacterial infections, um, multiple antibiotic use that can completely destroy the gut and it causes a lot of a, a huge cascade of problems in the body, emotional stressors. And who these days doesn't have a combination of those things going on? Your body gets so stressed, your body can only handle so much before the gene starts to then malexpress. And now the gene that was once driving all the chemical reactions to just happen, you know, like dance work, like they were just, they were just happening beautifully. Now all of a sudden there's like a cog that's stuck in the wheel and it's just not moving. Like it's not running on all five cylinders anymore. It's running on three. Mm -hmm. And then that's when you start to notice symptoms. And so if we can go and dig deep under the hood and start looking at what are the underlying causes? Do you have mold? Do you have chemical toxins? Are they organophosphates like what's found in pesticides and glyphosate? You know, do you have uh, plastic toxins? Do you have toxins that come from, you know, gas? Do you have heavy metals? And if we can start testing to look at all this stuff and see what's inside the body and take a look at the genes, then that gives us a really good idea of, okay, we're finding some underlying causes here. And when you, and, sorry, when, when you do the tests, what kind of tests are they, um, what would somebody who isn't familiar um, with tests, is it just blood or is it a, you know, a test on paper or is it just yeah. blood, yeah. urine, saliva? So there are, there are a bunch of different tests we can do. So genetic testing is typically done with saliva. Okay. And we can do organic acids testing, which is done by urine. And organic acids testing is amazing because it's looking at the metabolites of the chemical reactions that are happening in our body. So what it's looking at in, in simple terms is it's looking at the byproducts of what our body is producing from all of the chemical reactions that are happening in our body. And by looking at the metabolites, we know how much of each different metabolite a healthy person would have coming out of their body. So we can measure like the organic acids test, I think measures 72 different metabolites or byproducts. And if we see that one is being underproduced or overproduced, we can trace that back and we can understand what's happening with the body. Like, okay, you know, this metabolite is really high. And if we trace that back, that's indicative of a bacteria of a very specific bacterial infection. Or if this particular metabolite is high, that's indicative of a, of a candida infection. And we can even see how bad it is. Do you just have a little bit of candida or is it out of control? And so that's another type of test that we can do. We can do neurotransmitter tests, urinary neurotransmitter tests, which also looks at metabolites. It's looking at byproducts. And by looking at that, we can trace it back and we can see 
how much or how little of a particular neurotransmitter people are making. We can do GI mapping so that we can look for more evident, you know, infections in the body. We can also look at, uh, there are markers where we can identify leaky gut and inflammation in the gut. We can do antibody testing so that we can see if your body is attacking itself and which organs that it's attacking. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot, I mean, we could go on and on. Right. We spend an hour but these, talking about the different tests. But. Right. And these are all different tests that conventional medicine um, doesn't do. And it's just, it sounds like it's blood and urine and saliva. So we're not talking about any kind of weird biopsies or, you know, anything dramatic that people have to undergo. They either have to give some blood, give some urine or some saliva. Or and, some, or some stool. Or some stool. I, how could I forget that? That's like my favorite test. <laughs> um, <laughs> people love that test. Um, but that is yep. one of the best tests. Um, so somebody comes into you basically with um, a whole variety of symptoms, most of them mental health, but they have other physical symptoms along. You choose which tests to do from your vast experience. And then because it sounds like there's so many tests that you could do endless amount of tests too. And I'm sure you... You can't do the 15,000 different kinds of tests that exist out there. Um, what are some of the treatments? How do you help people once you find the causes? What kinds of things do you help them with? So once we find the underlying causes, which as I mentioned earlier in our discussion are typically, you know, four, five, six, seven different things that we're finding, mm -hmm. then we have to put a plan of action together and give the client an idea of you know how long this is going to take, and um, and and what to do first, mm -hmm. because if we don't do it in the right order, um, clients are not going to get better. In fact, they can feel worse. And so you know there's a lot involved in that. But typically, if we were just to zoom out to thirty thousand feet and look at like how we take a person through our process, people that come to us with some sort of neurological, you know, neurodegenerative disease or neurological condition, we're typically working with them for 12 months. Mm -hmm. And we, we do uh, not only the initial testing, but we do follow-up testing. So for example, if we find, you know, um, aspergillus mold or ochratoxin A mold, we're going to be retesting them like every three months to make sure that we're eliminating the mold and it's coming out of the body. Very data-driven, right? Very data-driven. Um, but where we start is with drainage pathways. So we have to open up drainage and detox pathways first, mm -hmm. right? So this is assuming that we have found answers, which we always do. There's, it's always gonna be a combination of toxins and some sort of infection, some sort of toxins and some sort of infection. You know, metals, chemicals, whatever it is, as far as, you know, mycotoxins, and then we've got different types of infections, parasites, bacteria, viruses, um, you know, protozoa, you know, all different kinds of, of that. And so we have to open up detox pathways. And we typically spend one to two months doing that. Some people can go faster than others. Some people go really, really slow. For example, you know, you and I have probably, well, I'm sure you probably have this. You have someone who's sensitive to anything and everything yes. that you try to put them on. I mean, you even try to put them on something like, 
you know, a vitamin D and they're having a sensitivity to it. These they're people that are having these. They're not crazy. Cause these are the people as a psychiatrist come to me cause all the other doctors say they must be crazy. But what I know, and it sounds like, you know, they're not crazy. I'm sorry. Just had it put that in there. I'm glad that you said that. Um, that's great insight for people to get to hear that. And they're absolutely not crazy. They're sicker than everybody else. Mm -hmm. They're sicker than everybody else. Those alarms are going off so bad, they can't put anything in their body. And typically these people are usually down to like three foods they can eat too. Exactly. Yeah. Because they have developed sensitivities to the very foods and nutrition that they need. Those are typically the sickest people. And those can take you know, we've, uh, we've had patients uh, literally that have taken a year to open up their detox pathways because we had to go literally so slow with their supplements. But most people, most people, one to two months just to get the detox pathways open. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about detox pathways, you know, the first month or two, we're talking about where we're starting with the gut. So the digestive system pathways, we've got to make sure that they're pooping and that we're starting to flush that. And then we go upstream from there. What's the next detoxification organ that's right above that? Not, not, not literally above it, but what's the one before that that then right. filters into the gut? It's the liver and gallbladder, right? And so then we move upstream and we start adding liver gallbladder support to start bringing that out. Then the next month we go in and we bring in um, lymphatic support. So we're going upstream. Right. Mm -hmm. Then we finally get to where we're opening up the detox pathway so that we can even basically it's a, a brain drain. <laughs> so we're, you know, it takes time to do that. And a lot of, a lot of practitioners that are inexperienced make the mistake of not spending enough time or not even knowing that they have to open up the drainage and detox pathways first. And that can make people very, very sick because if you go straight into trying to chelate and get out heavy metals or trying to, to bring out um, chemical toxins, arsenic, and all these other toxins in the body, and, um, you know, and pesticides <clears throat> or mold. Oh my gosh, you know, when you start detoxing these things, if the, if the drainage pathways are not ready for that, then you have basically released these toxins from the organs that have been encapsulating them to protect you, now you've released them into the bloodstream and they, and they can go up into your brain. They're just going to migrate to another organ and then you're going to get even more sick. And, and so we, we spend a good amount of time opening detox pathways. Then step two, then we can go in and we can start working on infections and mold chemical toxins. And then the third phase is we can start working on heavy metals. And the ones that take the longest to get rid of are typically heavy metals, right? Mm -hmm. Followed by um, mold and candida, um, followed by parasites. And so, you know, the amount of time that it takes to get rid of it, that depends. How much mold did you have in your body to begin with? Right. How fast were we able to get you up and running on your protocols and up to, you know, where, where you could really start eliminating this stuff? How hard are we able to hit it with you? And how bad do you have parasites? I have a patient who came to me a year ago. It's actually like a year this month. He came to me a year ago, over 300 pounds, type two diabetes. He was on three, three or four different diabetes meds. Oh. 
Uh, and yet was scary. He was on, he, and, you know, including two of them were insulin and then he was on metformin and something else. I don't remember. And he was feeling absolutely horrible. We started working with him. You know, we looked at all the data, we figured out, you know, okay, you know, we've got these different things going on. We're going to address these. In his case, we had to start also really, you know, we also had one more thing was to really focus on helping get his blood sugar stabilized. But sure. as we started making the food changes and detoxing his body, his, his need for medications came down and down and down. Within four or five months, his A1C went from like, I don't know, it was, I think it was something like 11 or 12. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, for, for reference, you want to see it between like four and 6.4 right in there right um he, he was way high he might have even been higher than 12 on the medications he was higher yeah. than 12. he's off he was off all his medications to date he's lost about 100 pounds wow. and, along the, and along the way one of the things that we discovered was this guy had massive parasites wow. which can lead to massive metabolic disorders not just brain chemistry issues and it took us like six months to get rid of the parasites in fact he didn't start releasing parasites, you know, coming out in his stool until the end of his third month where he had visible parasites come out. Wow. And he said, Dr. V, I woke up this morning and I felt nauseated and I had, I was sweating and I had like a headache and I went to go have a bowel movement and all, I filled up the toilet full of worms. Oh my gosh. And he said, immediately, immediately I felt better. And by the way, if you look at my spreadsheet, my, my blood sugars came down like another 10 points as soon as that happened. Wow. And we kept, you know, we, we kept him on the antiparasitic. I said, well, good. Like that might've been the final release of work, you know, parasites, but I'm not sure. Stay on it for another month. And if nothing comes, if you don't see anything else else coming out at the end of the month, then we'll go ahead and, you know, make the assumption because you, that's one thing you can test for and they're very elusive. It's hard to find them, but most yeah. people do have them. Well, it wasn't till the very end of the fourth month that he released another massive load of parasites into the commode. And he took a picture, and um, and and I mean, it was it was it was insane the amount of parasites that he that, and then he lost another ten pounds like the next week because of that. And wow. and and this happened all the way through the end of month six. Now, by the end of month seven was coming out but that's an example of you know not everybody takes six months to get rid of parasites but sometimes it 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 can take longer and was he somebody that was living in a third world country or how does a person get all of those parasites and how unusual is that it sounds like you know it just took a long time understandably but how did he acquire them and is that something that's typical the parasites it's actually very typical. And no, he actually, I don't think has ever left the US. I'm not certain about that. Right. But yeah, he's just, you know, he's just a, you know, a country boy from outside of Austin, Texas. Okay. You know, so really great guy that yeah, but so people was, can get paranoid. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go and that's exactly what where I wanted to go, which is people can get parasites. Yeah, people can get parasites from undercooked food. They can get parasites from their pets. They can get parasites from, you know, what, when I say undercooked food, I mean like undercooked meats um, or sushi, like raw meats. Mm -hmm. um, and people 
get parasites from their from their produce too. So, you know, I don't say that to scare people because we can get a lot of good bacteria from our lettuce and our other, you know, raw produce, but you, you know, take the time to give it a good rinse. Just, you know, rinse it out with water. Um, because, you know, if there's a parasite on that, you know, leaf of romaine lettuce and you, and you let it soak in water and you give it a good rinse, you know, there's a good chance that you, you know, removed that. Um, but, you know, it's, it, you know, you can get parasites from contaminated food too. And so there are so many different ways that people can acquire parasites. Mm -hmm. You don't have to travel to a third world country to get them. And I would say, you know, clinically speaking, we probably see 75% of our people with parasites that, you know, that end up having parasites come out of their stool once we start putting them on their protocols. And when the protocols, um, I come from the conventional med medical world. So I think about IVs, I think about, um, you know, high dose antibiotics, uh, multiple like powerful medications, but what kind of treatment protocols, what are you using? Are you using herbal treatments or combination and how, not harmful, but how difficult it is it for the patient, the actual treatment. So the um, the different protocols that we use uh, typically consist of a variation of different botanicals and herbals and nutraceuticals. And so, for example, you know when we're talking about an antiparasitic, we're going to be thinking things like yuba yersi and garlic and black walnut hull and neem and clove. Those things in therapeutic doses are amazing antiparasitics, and they're not only good for parasites, they can be very effective against different types of mold strains and even bacteria as well. And how people respond to their to the elimination of these infections, again, you know, it just varies. I I I can tell you that um, when you have die-off of bugs that, you know, pathogens that don't belong in your body, they release what is called endotoxins. Now they are already releasing endotoxins in your body, which is what is altering brain chemistry to begin with, because they are releasing endotoxins. But when you kill them, they release massive endotoxins. That's right? why the detox pathways have to be open. Yes. And you can feel it. So we do a lot of, uh, we do a lot of uh, preface work or, you know, we do a lot of getting our clients ready for it so that they understand, hey, you know, you might have a couple of days where you don't feel good. Like the one client I told you about with a, that had diabetes that no longer has diabetes. You know, he said, oh my God, I woke up, I was nauseated, I was sweating. I, you know, I didn't know what was wrong with me. I felt terrible, I felt like I was coming down with the flu. And, and as soon as it came out, he, he said he felt instantly better. Now, when you're talking about killing things like, you know, so parasites, typically people do feel like almost instantly better as soon as they poop them out um, or as soon as they start coming out of the body. We've seen parasites come out of people's skin. We've seen them come out of their nose. It's been pretty crazy, the things that we've seen, um, you know, but when you're talking about getting rid of like mold or candida, you can have some really big die-off effects from that. And it's not the, it's not the supplements that's making you feel sick. It's the endotoxins being released from the die-off of these pathogens that is making you feel sick. And it's just a part of the process. You've just got to walk through it. But there are things you can do like Epsom salt soaks, go sit in an, in an infrared sauna and sweat like crazy. Um, you know, make sure that you increase your binders 
So there are binding agents, you know, different herbals and different things you can take that bind to the grab onto the toxins to get them out of your body. That's very important to have binders in your protocol. You can do coffee enemas, which uh, stimulate the liver to dump toxins and it stimulates the production of glutathione, which is a chemical that the body makes that helps you to detox faster and keep the inflammation down. And so there are a lot of things you can do to mitigate the process, but you know how everybody feels, it, it's just a little bit different. It's a very individual journey for each mm -hmm. person. But it sounds like it's tolerable and it's not like um, overwhelming. It's, you know, it, they might be a little bit more uncomfortable for several days, but it's not a big, I don't, I don't want to minimize it, but a big deal. It's not like you're going to in for a surgery or, you know, or something or invasive treatment with IVs and um, where you're like chemotherapy. It's nothing like that is my No, point. absolutely. Yeah. And it sounds like no, you're able to modulate because you know what to expect and you educate your patients about that. Yeah, exactly. Like it's very non-invasive compared to some of these other, you know, things, you know, that can be life-saving when necessary, but, um, but, and the, the reaction can be modulated and that's why it's important to, you know, have a coach, have somebody who can take you through the process and prep you and so that you know what to do and you know what to expect. You know, Dr. Dr. Thompson and myself, she's, she's my, my um, associate doctor on, in my practice with me. We actually get excited about having a, a die-off response. Like, you know, if we're working on ourselves, we will try to herx ourselves as fast as we can. Um, and we'll see how much we can do before we can herx ourselves because it's the mindset around it. Like, we know mm -hmm. that, that when we have that, that's, that's our sign that what we're doing is working. And it's and the infection or the toxin is coming out of the body, and so a lot of it too is just its mindset around it and understanding like, you know, yes, this is a good thing. It's exciting. Whenever we have this, like this is good, because on the other end of it, you're going to feel better. Yeah, and that's what we all want. Now, I we're our time is you know very close to being up. If you, you've shared such amazing information and I really, really, really appreciate it because you're spot on um, for what I want this um, online series um, to educate people with and destigmatize any kind of mental symptoms. So thank you for that. But if you had to kind of summarize and give me, you know, one thing that people, like a take home nugget that people could hold on to when they leave, what would that be? My take home would be to remember that you are not broken. There is an underlying cause and there is a solution for it. Use a data-driven or evidence-based uh, system. Find a practitioner who knows how to use an evidence-based system, who knows how to do the labs and who knows how to walk you through the process. And then just know it takes time for you to heal. You will heal but it's going to take time. Don't expect it in a month. Don't expect it in three months. You need to give yourself a minimum of a year. And that doesn't mean it's going to take you a year until you start seeing the light and start to feel better. But you need to remember that you're a cellular organism. And before your body can regenerate cellularly so that it can heal itself, you've got to get rid of the toxins and the infections. And that can take many, many months. Thank you. So well said. And I know you have a um, free gift for uh, our watchers and listeners. Is that 
um, accurate and we'll make sure that there is a link for that as well. And you're, um, I think you have um, something that I was ex so excited to hear about was you're doing a five part online. What is your five part um, series? Can you mention that? Yes, we're so excited. We are just getting ready to wrap up a soft launch on our five part series on redefining mental health, finding the underlying causes of mental health disease. And it's been an, an incredible ride. We are airing, um, you know, the last two weeks, um, you know, now, but the listeners will have an opportunity to join in on our official hard launch and the date is to be determined but it's going to be soon and we're very excited to share that we're going to spend five weeks one night you know every every week discussing all of the different underlying causes and then diving into how to know what labs to order and what do these labs tell you and then going over protocols and the response that we've had so far even from other practitioners watching is that it's just it's an incredible amount of information that people are so happy that we're sharing it and if your listeners want to be able to get in on that when we have our official launch they can go to www.balanceyourbrain.com so go to balanceyourbrain.com download our 13 step uh, balance your brain ebook and then we will we will put you on our email list we don't share your emails with anybody and this way whenever we get ready to launch you'll get that information from us uh, because we'll now have your email and we will be sending it to you to let you know when we're going to be having this launch wonderful I know I'm signing up so thank you again, Dr. V, and I look forward to um, speaking with you in the future.